Good morning, Grace. How are you doing? Are you awake? It's summer. I should be awake. The reason why I should not be awake is not winter. Uh, I'll ask you today that you get the Bibles underneath there or get your tablet or your phone and turn to Act chapter 15. It's a long passage. I want you to follow with me because it's a long one. Uh, it's going to be 35 verses, but it's very crucial part of the scripture, and I call this the crossroad of Christian faith, the crossroad of Christian faith, uh, and there is a fight going on in that chapter, and we need to understand as believers that we just sang a few minutes ago that God is fighting for us, but the question is, if God is fighting, what are we doing? Are we just riding along or we're just going to get into the battle and pull the gloves on and get to fight? Uh, therefore, turn to Acts chapter 15, starting with verse 1. We're going to start there. It says, Some men came down from Judea and began teaching the brothers. Unless you're circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Wow. Paul and Barnabas disagreed greatly and debated with them, so it was determined that Paul and Barnabas and some of the others from the group would go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders and confer with them concerning this issue. There you go, elders, deacons. You hear that? So the apostles are no longer there, so it's you they are talking about. Because the debate was big. And it was either make or break. So after being surprised and sent on their way to, by the church, they went through both Phoenicia and Samaria, telling in details the conversion of the Gentiles, and they brought great joy to all the believers. When they arrived in Jerusalem, they were received warmly by the church and the apostles and elders, and they reported to them all the things that God had accomplished through them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who had believed in them, Jesus as the Messiah stood up and said, there you go, Pharisees. We have some Pharisees here, so they keep going. Now, they're always that group. They stood up and said, it is necessary to circumcise the Gentile converts and direct them to observe the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders came together to consider this matter. After a long debate, Peter got up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles would hear the message of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows and understands the heart, testified to them, giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he also did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith in Jesus. Now then... Why are you testing God by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples, 
which neither our fathers nor we have been able to endure? Good question. But we believe that we are saved through the precious and deserved grace of the Lord Jesus, which make us free from the guilt of sin and grant us eternal life. Just the same way as they are. All the people remained silent and they listened attentively to Barnabas and Paul as they described the signs and wonders, attesting miracle that God had done through them among the Gentiles. I like verse 12. Everybody shut their mouth. See, when you bring the word of God and remove the argument on opinions, the word of God always prevails, ladies and gentlemen. The question is, Grace, are we going to follow our traditions and our opinions, or are we going to follow what the word of God says? Well, we have good opinions. Not all of opinionated mind and controversy. But what does God say about your opinion? That's the point. Now let's continue. That was Peter. Then James, the bishop of this very church they were discussing, stood up. When they had finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simon Peter has described how God first concerned himself about taking from among the Gentiles a people of his name to honor him and be identified with him. The words of the prophet agree with these, just as it is written in the scripture. After their, these things, I will return, and I will rebuild the tent of David, which has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it, so that the last of mankind may seek the Lord, all the Gentiles upon whom my name has been invoked, says the Lord, who has been making these things known from long ago. Therefore, it is my judgment that we do not trouble and make it difficult for those who are turning to God among the Gentiles by putting obstacles in their way. But we, that we write to them that they are to abstain from anything that has been contaminated by being offered to idols, from sexual impurity, and from eating meats that which has been strangled, from consumption of blood, from ancient generation, the writing of Moses has been preached in every city since he is led around in synagogue every Sabbath. Then the apostles and the elders together with the whole church decided to select some of their men to go to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, Judas, who was called Barabbas, and Cyrus, also called Savanius. Both leading men among the brothers with them were sent following the letter. Now, the elders, the church, the apostles got down to the field to fight for the truth based on the scripture. And they didn't just leave it there. They wrote a letter. Not only did they write a letter, they sent also other people with Barnabas and Paul. That's the controversy going on here. And it continues. 
the apostles and brothers who are the elders, to the brothers and sisters who are from Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, Syria, greetings. Since we have heard that some of our men have troubled you with, this, with their teaching, causing distress and confusion, men whom to whom we gave no such orders and instructions, and there you go, that's a problem, and have been decided by us, having met together, to select men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of Lord Jesus Christ. So we have sent Judas and Cyrus, who will report by word of mouth the same thing that have been decided in our meeting. For it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to place on you any greater burden than the essentials. I like that word, essentials, the most important. What count in the kingdom? That by abstaining from things sacrificed to idols and from consuming blood and from eating meats of things that have been strangled and from sexual impurity, if you keep yourself from these things, you do well, farewell. So when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch, and after assembling the congregation, they delivered the letter. And when they had it, they had, and when they read it, the people rejoiced greatly at the encouragement and comfort it brought them. Judas and Cyrus, who are themselves prophets, divinely inspired spokesmen, encouraged and strengthened the believers with the words. And after spending time there, they were sent back by the brothers with the greetings of peace to those who had sent them. However, Cyrus decided to stay there. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch with many others who also are. Uh, Others also continued teaching and proclaiming the good news of the word of the Lord concerning eternal salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. We ask that you open our minds and our hearts so that we may hear what you have to say, so that we may change the axis of how we think and process information based on how the Holy Spirit guides us based on your word. And we commit this hour to you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, that's a long reading. Now, in your bulletin, we include an outline, a long outline. I've included a lot of verses because I may not go through all these. I want you to go home and go through this because this is very important. Because the issue at heart was, is Jesus enough? Or they're going to be a price somewhere to make you a good Christian. That's the big question. Is Jesus enough at grace? Or we have to do other things to be members of grace? That's a question. So ladies and gentlemen, I put a map there. In order for these gentlemen or these unnamed men to travel, they had to travel 300 miles to go to Antioch to propagate for teaching. Secondly, they were not commissioned by the elders or the apostles. They took upon themselves. Now, this is what we call the King Highway. It was patrolled by the army and of that time, the Roman Empire. 
And in order to travel there, either you had to walk or use the donkey, the Mercedes of the day. So it took a long time to get there, if you ever get there. Yep, because they were bad and a pirate on the road. Now, the issue here was gentle convert, convert must be initiated to do Judaism through circumcision. Now, notice they didn't say they came to teach the sisters. It was very specific. The word used there, it used the word for men. Because if you teach men the long way, they're going to teach their family the long way. If you teach them the right way, they're going to teach their family the right way. So they are going to the Jaguar. The next thing was, the Gentile convert must live under the law of Moses if they were to be saved and embrace Christianity in their Christian community. Now that's how familiar. We always hear somebody say something, ah, you have to be saved. Yes, you can be saved by Jesus, but you need to do pras, pras, pras. Anytime you add pras, it's nullify everything that Jesus did on the cross. If the law was so good, why would God send Jesus from heaven to come on earth? Have you ever asked yourself that question? That means it was useless, so to speak. So, dispute. Number one, the dispute between the men from Judea and Paul and Barnabas, verse five, 1 through 5. And as you know, whenever there is a controversy, majority of us fight fight which don't count. But I have noticed in the Christian community, when it comes to the fight of the kingdom, we shrink. But we fight about Joe Biden, Donald Trump, gay, lesbians, straight, not straight. But when you bring the word of God there, people, oh, we don't know about that one. You see, the only thing that are going to make a difference is what God says, because in the final analysis of things, it's God who counts after the end of the day. We just sang a few minutes ago, we are no longer slaves. These people from Judea were coming to enslave those who have been saved by grace. Slavery that they couldn't even do themselves, if you just read the scripture. They couldn't do the law, but they want somebody else to do it. They fell big time because they forgot one thing. They forgot the first two. Love your God with all your strength and all your might. And if you do that and love your neighbor, you have done all the Ten Commandments. They were so concerned with the eight, they forgot the first two. And the first two are the one make the eight work. That's how it works. Have you noticed only those two are carried in the New Testament? And that's the point here. Tradition. Man-made philosophy. Cultural issues. Several years ago, I, had, I met this missionary in Kenya. I wasn't here then. He had been there five years. I asked him a question. How many people have you won to Christ since you became five years ago? He said, I have not. So I said, what's the problem? I see a lot of people who are not don't know Jesus. I said, have you talked to the people across the street? No, he said, they make too much noise. I'm afraid of them. That's what he said. So I said, why are they making noise? 
Uh, he said, because they're watching that game and they're always fighting about it. I said, have you ever gone there and asked them what, what team they're supporting just to make a general conversation? He said, I'm petrified of them. I said, well, if you're petrified of them, why did you come 16,000 miles away to preach the gospel that you can't preach? So I said, next time, why don't you invite them and ask them what team they support and take them to the stadium and pay for the tickets? Look at me, why do I do that? Well, you're evangelizing. Evangelism cost. Because you need to find out what common ground you have with them so that you can talk to them about gospel. I mean, that time I have not even gone to Bible college to figure that out. Eventually, to make the story short, he, he did that and he came excited. You know what? They call me the white man. Oh, yeah, oh, you're white. So what a big deal. <laughs> but they listened. Good. So did you tell them about Jesus? Actually, they asked me what I'm doing in my, this country. Good. Said a missionary. They said, you're a missionary and you have never talked to us? What kind of missionary are you? <laughs> they asked him the question. Now, what am I saying? These, the people from Judea... Although they were long, they were doing the right thing, but they were doing it the wrong way. Grace, we know the word. What are we doing with it? We point finger to the people who are doing the wrong way, but they are there doing it. Did you know Jehovah Witness who come when it's snowing and when it's raining and knock on your door with a long message? But we don't do that. We close the door sometime. I had several Jehovah Witnesses come to me when I used to live in La Prada, and I used to invite them inside the house, and they start talking about the gospel, and I asked them, have you ever read about John 3.16? No, we don't read that when the elder tells us what to do. Say, the elders are not here, so you can read it. So eventually, some of them get saved. I've, I've seen several years later, I met somebody say, you know, I, I agree them, they say, who are you? I say, I'm, uh, you don't remember me? Two years ago, I was in your house, and you gave us tea, and you told us about the John 3.16, and I got saved. Those things happened. So these people were doing their job, but they were doing the wrong way. Unfortunately, we as believers, we don't do it the right way. You see, there is a controversy. Paul and Barnabas were not going to stand there and stand for these people to preach the word, which was not right, and just say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. They say, no, sir, we are not going to fight. We're not going to have this. We're going to have to go to Jerusalem if we can agree. And the church decided to send them to Jerusalem where the apostles were and disciples were so they can discuss what the problem was. It's not that where we find ourselves at our church at Grace. Put it this way. We have always done it this way. Now let me ask you this question. How is that how we always done it this way, working right now? If the church is not growing, does that mean it's good? No, it means it's bad. We had to change the strategy. So Barnabas and Paul believed they felt strongly about the issue. And like so, it is an eternal issue of importance, by the way. 
It determines whether you're going to know Jesus Christ by faith or you're going to do the law of Moses and be circumcised. Ladies and gentlemen, I can tell you this. You can be circumcised 20,000 times, but you still go like a fire. Yeah, I'm just saying. Now, if you ask me about circumcision, I come from Africa. You know what circumcision means to us? Different things than what the Bible says. Circumcision means that you're becoming a man. You know when you're circumcised? When you're 18 years old. Yeah, I'm telling you. <laughs> you're laughing, but that's a, that's a culture. You're becoming a man now, and you get circumcised when you're 18. Imagine the pain. Yeah. In old days, they didn't even take to the hospital. The medicine men did it with those jagged knives, you know? Yeah. And they didn't have a, and, and they take you out in the morning in the cold water, and then they cut you up. And they sing and do all kind of stuff because you're becoming a man. But Paul is talking about here is that the Jews did not get it. Circumcision, the Bible says, is the circumcision of the heart. It's like this. Circumcision was a demonstration of what's already happened here. They forgot that one. Because the same scripture in the book of Deuteronomy says, I'll circumcise their heart. Talking about spiritually new, not physical. Because you can be physically circumcised and you're not doing the law. And a guy who is not circumcised, Paul talked about this in Romans chapter 12, chapter 2. He says, what, what good does it do if you're breaking the law and you're circumcised? And a guy who is not circumcised is doing what is right. Is he not better than you? So the issue here is not even about circumcision. The issue is about, is Christ enough or circumcision is going to help you become better? See, that's a tradition. This tradition was for the Jews to identify them with God by faith through Abrahamic covenant. They forgot that one. Now they're telling other people, you have to become like us. You can have to be a nice Jew, you have follower custom in you, a tradition, and you'll be a good Christian. Now Jesus is just icing on the top. Does that sound familiar to you? Yeah, we tell other people, unless you become this, you can't be coming to a church, and you can't be part of our group, and part of this, and part of that. Are we not just pharisaical as they are? Hello? It's quiet here. So the dear men were making their case, and when they came to Jerusalem, the people who had sent them, they said, wait a minute, you can't be circumcised, you can't be honored by faith, they had to follow the law of Moses, and they had to be circumcised to become good Christians. And Paul, Peter just stood and said, look here guys, God called me to go to Cornelius, the centurion, and preach the word. And before I finished preaching the word, the Holy Spirit came upon them. That tell me that God believed they are Christian like of us too, by faith. So why should we tell them to do differently, which we couldn't do ourselves? Wow, using scripture. See, when you use scripture, everybody's quiet. Verse 12 says, everybody was quiet. And when people are quiet, they are ready to listen. Because they have come and to himself. One of the things Satan does, ladies and gentlemen, is create doubt. And when Satan can create doubt through all these opinions and controversy, it deviates you from focus of who Christ is. 
You need to do better and avoid those controversies which are not going to help you much. Just bring the word and you see God do his work instead of trying to fight a cause that you cannot win. It says Satan create doubts because it's one of the favorite weapons. Notice what they said. You cannot be saved. And they were very sure about it. Have you ever been sincerely wrong? Yeah, these guys were sincerely wrong. Remember the Jews? They, they see everybody in the lenses of Jews. God is saying, get out of yourself and see people like I see people. People are not about culture. People are not about things they do. People are just like you. If you go to Africa, cut somebody in their skin, they're going to have lead blood like yours and everywhere else. Same thing. They have the same issue like you do. So, why bring confusion? When the gospel is very plain and simple, you don't have to climb hoops and mountains and climb all over the place to, to know what gospel is. By faith, you are saved. Not of works, lest a man should boast. Not because you're circumcised. You can be circumcised that you do go to lake of fire and it can be not less circumcised that you go to heaven. Based on your faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what he's talking about. So, notice the people from Judea here. These certain men from Judea were passing judgment, negative judgment, on all Paul's and Barnabas' missionary endeavors. They were counteracting. Hey! At all this moment, Paul and Barnabas were preaching the gospel by faith, and they were not making them follow the law of Moses and circumcision. And the Jews could not stand that. Remember, they didn't say that these were not saved. These were saved Jews. It says in your scripture, those who have received Jesus Christ as a Messiah. Yeah. Christians like you and I. But we have these vestiges that we want everybody to have because we got them. Listen, guys, your culture is not mine, and my culture is not yours. But where is the culture going to lead us? Nowhere. But the grace of God changes everything, regardless whether you're in Africa, Philippines, China, Timbuktu, under the water, in the sky, it doesn't matter. When it's all said and done, it's what Jesus did on the cross. Not how much your culture is better than Johnny and Peter. We need to remember that. And several weeks ago, there was an article and a little clip from the video, from, from a news. We are in the center of the world here at Grace. Did you know that? The world have come to us. Let me give it a perspective. They said this, Prince Georgia used to be the richest African-American county. It's no longer. Charles County is. Oh, you can go read it. I didn't like it. The demographic have changed. And we need to go out there and snatch those people from other culture who don't know Jesus Christ. And witness to them, not because of their culture, but because they are lost souls. We need to start seeing, not seeing colors. We need to start seeing lost souls. You see, that's the problem with us. That color, that Japanese, that Indian, that me, that Caucasian, no. 
If you read the scripture says, and I looked in heaven and I saw nation, tongue, tribe, and what have you. That's the church you see in the gospel. And that was the problem here with these people. They were so concerned about their Jewish community and their tradition, they didn't see what Jesus is doing. And thereby hindering the growth of the gospel. Paul was not going to let that stand. And you and I should not let these, those hinder us to do what God has called us to do. In order for our church to grow and to grow the kingdom of God, we need to go to the world that surrounds us and reach them regardless of what their color, gender, and nationality, and what have you. We need to love them like Christ loved us while we were yet sinners. That's what he's asking you and I to do. Not become like the Gentiles who didn't get it, so to speak. The issue of tradition and circumcision is one of the imperative. Notice what Paul said, uh, talking about the yoke that they're putting on the people. Uh, he's talking about the law of Moses, and the yoke is the thing that you put. If you have gone to uh, Mount Vernon down here, George Washington home, you see those uh, bulls that they have, two dunk, two, and they put a yoke on them. They walk together, and the person explained to you that they had to be the same weight, the same height in order for the yoke to work, so they can be able to move, and the, the yoke is put on the cart so that you can lie in the cart and control the, the bulls to go wherever they want to go. Now, the yoke is used as a bondage here. Now, Jesus said, you need to take my yoke so that you can have everything easy. Law was designed to teach people the holiness of God. And because it was a high standard they could reach to, it was designed to make you scream, is there something better? And the Bible says, Jesus comes in and says, yes, there is grace. That's the whole issue here. And Paul and Peter here continue to say three things very important. How the gospel saves. That's what he was saying. Second, how the gospel frees from other things. Give you freedom. And how the gospel leads after that. That's what he was talking about. So ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that the question in this passage, was that like there? Faith in Christ alone is not sufficient. That's what they said. See, old man's system is a good enough in a multicultural, it's a multicultural problem. Why should, be, why should I become a Jew to be a good Christian? Do you want to become a Filipino to be a good Christian? I know Americans are very selfish. They want to be American only. Oh, you go to Africa, Africans are prideful. They want to be African only. You go to Philippines, the Filipinos want to be Filipino only. But the Bible says that doesn't count much if you don't have Jesus. And that's all the problem. So what we do, ladies and gentlemen, we have to be cultural sensitive. The other thing is talking about we have always done it this way. Our tradition must be good enough for you and everybody else. No, it's not. Doesn't work that way. Because the Bible is very clear. Notice the book of Colossians chapter 2. And I like Paul. Paul is always on the ball. He says, 
See to it that no one take you captive through philosophy and empty deception or pseudo-intellectual bubbles. You know, you know, I've talked to some people who have three different PhDs from Harvard and all kinds of stuff. And when you talk to them about gospel, they look you like you're talking from, come from, the, come from Mars. Yeah, they have PhDs. That's what he's talking about. According to tradition of and musing of mere men, following elementary principles of the world, rather than following the truth teaching of Jesus Christ, for him in all fullness of deity, Godhead dwells bodily, completely expressing the divine essence of God. And in him we have been made complete, achieving spiritual statures through Christ. He is the head of all rule, authority, and angelic and other power. That's the whole point here, ladies and gentlemen. It's not about tradition. It's not about how you believe or don't believe. It's who is Jesus. And by faith, everybody knows that and should. Now, when they discussed this, they made a difference. Verse 12 changed everything. Although these people knew that they needed to be circumcised and whatever, they were willing to quiet and listen. They had a teachable spirit. And that what changed everything. Verse 12 is crucial to changing from law to grace. And they listened. So, practically speaking, they made a practical decision. You guys need to follow these rules. You'll be fine. We know that you shouldn't be anything dead. Should not have sexual immorality behavior. Should not do other things which are not godly. That's what they said. Any else, don't worry about it. See, we need to teach people who God is and his love. And when they come to Christ, all other things are going to change. I'm not going to repeat that again in case you didn't hear me. We need to demonstrate who Christ is and how you love them, in spite of whether they are gay, lesbian, uh, African-American, Caucasian. And then when they come to Jesus, then they can, everything else changes. Because Jesus do the work of changing. Because the Bible said, my word will never come back void. See, we have the cut the other way. We start telling them the things they should do. And what, instead of witnessing to them about who Jesus is and demonstrating. We have a neighbor called Isaac and Mary. We have been there 20 years. And we have been inviting them to church. They are Devout Roman Catholic. They, they go earlier than we before we wake up to go to their mass or whatever you. Several years ago, actually, a few months ago, yeah, six months ago, they came to us and said, you know, you guys have been very good neighbors. And we are reading our Bible, and uh, we hear it in our head, but it's not in our heart. That's what they said. Our word, not mine. We want, can we have a Bible study? Imagine that after 20 years. I said, absolutely, which day work for you? They said, Wednesday, good. Six o'clock, we started having Bible study. And we started the book of John. And guess what? They ask a lot of questions, and we answer a lot of questions. And we are not showing them that we know. They say, you know, one time the wife wanted to go somewhere, and Isaac said, no, we are not going to go there. I don't get anything there. But when we go to Georgia and Adria, we get a lot. Let's go there. They're not believers, but they, are, they want to know. See, I'm not there to tell them what to do. I just answer the questions. And they ask, what this verse says? You know, I'm 
more in my own head. Isaac stopped me and said, hey, you said this the other day. What do you think? What is this saying? And I stopped my own more and I talked to him. He said, that makes a lot of sense. Leave it. They will see it. They will come to you. Grace. We call ourselves grace, but we don't give much grace. I'm going to just tell you as it is. I've been here for 20-some years, and I can tell you that. I'm not beating you up. I'm just saying our church needs to change the philosophy of what we do, how we do things, in order to address the community that we are living in, because it has changed. God has made sure to bring people from other nations to us, doors, and our neighbors, and we need to reach out to them, regardless of who they are. And that's what God has called us to do. Now, how do we do that? We need to decide, like they decided by consensus, that the point of no compromise, we cannot compromise our faith, but we can give and take when it comes to culture, because culture is, univer- is not a universal thing. It's microcosm, you know. Uh, I come from a country where we have 66 different dialects. That means 66 different tribes. And we are a nation, and we still govern. You know Why? Because we know what their culture does and what they does, and we respect that. We respect that. But when a culture goes against the word of God, we point it out. Well, the word of God says this. What do you think? I'm not going to go condemn about their culture. I just ask the question. You, know, you read your Bible. How does that relate to that? And they say, oh, I see that. See, you come in directory. You don't go directory to some things, you know. So, the Jerusalem Council decide, recognize this, and we need to recognize this, that for the community of faith to flourish, there must be a multicultural sensitivity to one another. Jews and Gentiles must adjust their living together and work together for the sake of the gospel. Are we doing that at grace? See, holiness is important. But holiness comes because you are in Christ, not because you want to add on stuff. See, you can't gain holiness, and I can't gain holiness unless I'm in Christ. Because Christ is the one who gives holiness, not, not things that we do. Secondly, there is harmony. Harmony comes because we love each other and because we're in Christ. To preserve the harmony, they decided, okay, guys, these dietary things you ought to do and whatever you because they're healthy. Not because we are making you to become good Jews. It's in the scripture. And if you notice what they said, there are things that we as believers, we should follow. They are healthy too. Now, I'm going to say something about what the book of Romans says here with regard to this issue. When it comes to addressing the cultural things in our lives, we need to understand where people are coming from. They are not you. They are not going to be you. They are not going to be them. Paul said this, and he says in the book of Romans, when I went to Rome, I, beca- I behaved like Romans so I can win them. He didn't say that he went and worshipped idol. No. He said he found the common ground of things that they can address together and fellowship, and then from there, they start evangelism. That's what he's talking about. Now, I'm going to challenge you as a church. God started leading the three Gospels. And see, Jesus, mostly Jesus never used Scripture much. He used the normal things, 
He, that's why he used a lot of parable. The people could understand, and then from there, he put the word. And they, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, right. It's not what we're supposed to do. He was a master teacher, and if we follow Jesus, we're going to be master teachers. That's what he's asking, ladies and gentlemen. Now, in the book of Romans, it says this, and I'm going to read this. If you have never read Romans chapter 14, I want to read it for you so you can understand, and I'm going to quit from here. Accept accept into your group someone who is weak in faith. Do not argue about opinion. A person believes it's right to eat all kinds of food, but another who is weak believes he can eat only vegetables. The one who knows what is right is, uh, excuse me, the one who knows what is right to eat any kind of food must not reject the one who eats only vegetables. And the person who eats only vegetables should not think that he should, the one who eats all food is wrong because God has accepted that person. You cannot judge another person's servant. The master decides if the servant is doing well or not. And the Lord will do well because the Lord helped him to do that. And he continued to say this. Something that one day is important than other. Other things that every day is the same. Point, point elder fair here. He believes Sunday is the most important day. Me, not so much. You know why? I see all day the same. Because I can worship any time I want to. And I can go to shop any time. Some, some people believe Sunday is the most important day, or some people believe Saturday is the day to go shopping. I can shop on Monday. See, the poor Paul is saying this. What is important to you is not important to somebody else. What is essential is what he is talking about. What are you going to do about it? Those who think one day is important than another... Doing, are doing that for the Lord. And those who eat all kinds of food are doing that for the Lord, and they give that to the Lord. Those who refuse to eat food, they do that for the Lord, and they give them to the Lord. We do not live or die for ourselves. If we live, we, live, we are living for the Lord, and if we die, we are dying for the Lord. So, living or dying, we belong to the Lord. The reason Christ died and rose from the dead and to live again was so that we would uh, was excuse me to live again was so he would be the Lord of all the dead and living. So why do you judge your brother or your si- or your sister in Christ? Why do you think you are better than they are? We are all stand before God judged, because it is written, as surely as I, I live. The Lord says, everyone will bow before me, and everyone will say, I'm God. So, each of us will have to answer to God. For that reason, we should stop judging each other. We must make up our mind and do not say anything that will make another Christian sin. That is where I'm going to leave it for now, ladies and gentlemen, because I'm out of time. But the bottom line is this, ladies and gentlemen, we need to deal with essentials, but we have liberty and unity and demonstrate love for one another so that we can live for Christ. The bottom line is this, we have to be biblically faithful and a cultural fruitful. We must be both about the word and the world. 
we must hold timeless truth, but also have timeless methods. And finally, we must contend for the faith and contextualize our faith and become all things to all men so that we can win them for Christ. As I pray, elders can come up so we can move on. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace. We ask you that you, your message resonate to us. And Father, help us to be practical and to be loving to our community and to move on. And if there is one, anyone here who doesn't know you, to know that we are saved by grace and grace alone, nothing else. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.